When you think about Greek life, Christian faith might be the absolute last thing that comes to mind. But we not only believe that it's possible to be Greek and Christian, but also that it's the best way to experience Greek life and grow your faith. We have real, honest conversations about how to approach Greek life from a Christian perspective, including things like recruiting and pledging, drinking and drugs, sex and dating, leadership and philanthropy, and much more. This podcast is by Greeks and for Greeks. Our hosts and guests are all members of fraternities and sororities who collectively have decades worth of experience living out their faith in Greek life. Welcome to the Greek and Christian podcast. Welcome, welcome back to another episode of the Greek and Christian podcast. I'm Allison, your host. Uh, But before we get into this episode, I want to tell you about Greek Conference, our flagship national event for fraternity and sorority students. Greek Conference is all about the intersection of being Greek and Christian. You'll meet hundreds of Greeks just like you from around the country. You'll experience musical worship, hear from nationally known Greek speakers, and get real practical tips on how to grow in your faith as a Greek on campus. Greek Conference is in Indianapolis, February 9th through 11th. And registration is officially open, so go to greekiveevents.com to register, and we hope to see you and some of your brothers and sisters there. Okay, on to this week's episode. So we've been talking all about platform influence and privilege this season, and we've been talking with alums on how they've used their platform for good. So this week, we have Wynn Smiley, the CEO of Alpha Tau Omega, and he's going to share with us how his faith uh, really informs his role as the CEO of uh, International Fraternity. So we know you're going to enjoy this episode. Uh, So this week, our guest is actually a CEO of a fraternity, so we're hoping to get some headquarters staff on our podcast, and he is the CEO of Alpha Tau Omega, Wynn Smiley. Hey there, Wynn. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Allison. Awesome. So I know um, in some of my rudimentary research (laughs) that you went to the University of Illinois, is that right? Fighting Illini? No Illini. Yes, absolutely. That's right. And I also learned a very interesting fact about Wynn this week that, uh, okay, I think I'm getting the details correct, but you played the trumpet in the marching band. Wow. That is deep research. I, Whoa. <laughs> I did. I was, <laughs> yeah, I was a, one of about, I think we had, uh, the trumpet line was about 60 trumpets. So yeah, it was a blast. Excellent. I mean, I think I, so I had friends in marching band in college. And then um, when I was the Greek IV staff at the University of Utah, one of my students was the drum major of the marching band. And uh, it's very much like Greek life from what I understand and very uh, committed. (laughs) And so I'd love to hear like, what was your experience like uh, playing the trumpet in the marching band for the Illini? Yeah, it was uh, it was fantastic. I came from a high school graduating class of 200, and why? Well, we had a good music program, uh, and uh, but uh, you know when you sit down with 300 other uh, very accomplished uh, musicians who are now in college, whether they're part of the school of music or not, they're all very good musicians, right? They they know what they're doing, and so just uh, just being part of that kind of a group. Uh, was uh, tremendous from a music standpoint, and then um, just the just the um, you know Saturday game days or anytime that we would go anywhere in March, um, it uh, we had a following, 
And so that was that was a lot of fun too. And and to your point that it was like a fraternity. So I didn't join until I was my second semester of freshman year. So my first semester of freshman year was the marching Illini that really kept me in school because it was about a 20, I mean, you, you spend about 20 plus hours a week in rehearsals and performances. Wow. And so uh, you're making connections there and at a big university that felt like uh, that felt like my family. So yeah, it was, it was a great experience. Loved it. Oh, I love that. Well, you know, I'd love to hear, we're obviously going to talk quite a bit about your time in college and then your experience being the CEO of ATO, um, but I'd love to hear a little bit about your faith background. So, you know, what is your faith background? Did you have a relationship with Jesus before you came to college and joined your fraternity or did it look different than that? I'd just love to hear a little bit about that. Sure. Yep. I grew up in, uh, raised in a little Methodist church. Uh, the, my parents uh, were big believers in uh, getting all of us to church every Sunday, and that was an extended family kind of thing, grandparents on both sides, uh, very much, yes, you go to church. Uh, past that, uh, it was um, not too deep until uh, my mother got involved in the renewal movement of the United Methodist Church called Aldersgate, which was sort of the full, full spirit, um, and and her uh, her life changed because of that. And, um, and so that, I, I think I was in junior high school, maybe a little bit before that. And then I had a great uh, mentor um, who, um, uh, and we had a good, I think we had a good preacher at that point, you know, in the Methodist church, uh, you get a new preacher about every three or four years, right on the circuit. I grew up Methodist as well. I, I know that life. There you go. So I think I was about 14 when I, when I made a commitment uh, and which was about the same time uh, my mom and then my dad, because um, he got involved in Aldersgate as well. And then I have an older sister who um, got involved with another church with her friends. So all that sort of came together at the same time. And so uh, when I look back, yes, I made a commitment. I was surrounded by people who love Jesus. And um, not that I was a rebel, far from it, but my life really didn't change, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I it, I'm right. I mean, it, you know, um, 14. Okay, cool. So right. when I went to college, yeah, right. So when I went to college, um, I, um, I didn't, I didn't really find a church. Um, I, I, I have one regret in college that I when you know, cause I had a, I had a fantastic undergraduate experience. My one regret, if I had to do it all over again, what I do and what I would have done was I would have, I would have sought out intervarsity or some mm -hmm. other organization to engage uh, and I just, I didn't. So mm -hmm. in the fall was the marching Illini as we've talked. And that was between that and class. I mean, that was it. And then I uh, had a high school friend who joined Trinity in Illinois. At that time, there were, there were 50, 54 fraternities and 26 sororities, right? So wow. and I really had no, no one in the family had been Greek. And so I had no concept of that. Uh, other than when I was a junior in high school, Animal House came out, and I thought that was a hilarious movie, right? So <laughs> anyway, I had a high school friend who joined a chapter, and he he needed a roommate. He's like, hey, come check this out. And so I did, um, um, was recruited, and, and joined then my second uh, semester freshman year. And then that became, that became my family. And so mm -hmm. uh, because of that, Again, I did not engage in any kind of church, anything, except when I went home. So I was the good Christian boy. 
when I would go home at Thanksgiving, at Christmas, you know, spring break, that kind of stuff. Um, and I just sort of ignored it when I was in college. Now, again, I wasn't Mr. Crazy Party. Um, I didn't, I didn't drink in college, right? I didn't, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't a rebel by any stretch of the imagination. And at the same time, I was not doing anything to uh, further, further my relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think your story is really relatable for a lot of our students, um, especially I think when you come to college, it's the first time you get to make these independent decisions, the decisions that were made for you just by the factor of you were born and raised in the Midwest or your parents chose into, you know, this whole church thing. When you go to college, you, know, you have an opportunity to break away from that if you want to. And I think that there's something really empowering about that decision. Um, but you're right. It has to be something you make on your own for the first time. Um, so when you were in school, I mean, it, it sounds like you just, faith was kind of on the background or the back burner, not a huge priority. Um, so how did you eventually decide to make faith a priority in your life? Like, was there a moment where you felt like, okay, I'm truly following Jesus now? Yeah, great, great question. So uh, God was uh, never left me. And so he was he was patiently waiting. So I graduated, got a degree in journalism and went to work in news, right? And so newsrooms in general uh, are, are um, a lot like fraternity chapters in some ways in that it's a close knit group of people mm -hmm. generally. And I was I was in television, initially radio, but then television. And so all of a sudden you you start to get uh, some egos involved a little bit and you're always dealing with news is like the very privileged. So who are the mm -hmm. leaders who are making the decisions and the other side of the continuum, who is, who is in need of help, who is getting tried for capital crimes, who, right. The, the two ends of that continuum make news. So number one, it was, a, it was a great eye opener. Uh, for me, just in terms of experiencing very different uh, parts of society uh, that I would have never had never been exposed uh, to, certainly. Uh, and uh, I fit right into the newsroom, right? And so you got to fight for your, you got to fight for your own, right? You got to fight for your own story. You got to fight for airtime. You've got to fight. Um, and newsrooms, again, I'll make a gross generalization. Newsrooms, generally, um, the, um, the atmosphere is generally um, uh, pretty pretty rough in terms of just mm -hmm. language and right. I mean, just it just is. Why uh, rough around the edges? Competitiveness? That doesn't sound like Greek life at all. Not at all. No, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Right. Uh, and so I I fit right in. Uh, and in fact, the newsroom sort of honed uh, those uh, those skills. And sure. at the same time. I would go home when I would go home and visit my parents and my family for whatever, I would still play the good Christian boy. Oh, sure. Go back. And now by this time, I think I'd found a church. No, uh, I can't even remember, but that, that obviously had started to creep back in. Sure. Cool. But uh, a reporter came in, she became one of my very closest friends. Um, uh, she came in uh, uh, from um, uh, Raleigh, Durham, uh, and, uh, and so we got to know each other and I don't know how long it was, maybe six months, a year, 
and I'm sure that we had talked and I told her pretty much what I'm, you know, telling you other than I didn't say, and I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm not really a very good Christian when I'm when right. I, just when I go home, but she cornered me one day and she said, you are the biggest hypocrite uh, that I know. Whoa. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, by that time, uh, my language had pretty coarsened up too. So I let her know what I thought of that. <laughs> And uh, she uh, she gave as uh, she gave as good as she got. And I mean, that's how you know me, when you're really friends with someone. Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, if you can have right, that kind yeah. of rapport. Yeah, right. Exactly. And so she convinced me. I, mean, I don't remember how she did it, but she convinced me to go to church with her. Nice. Uh, and so I did, and realized that um, yeah, I I I mean that that's when the the um, the conviction really started rolling in, and then. I don't know how long I was going, but at one point they had a recommitment kind of service um, and um, I recommitted mm -hmm. And that. If you ask me the day that 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 was the day. And the reason I know that is because so that was a Sunday uh, and I didn't I mean, it was it, it was a fine experience. I mean, I it you know, I didn't walk out floating or anything. I just I'm like sure. I'm serious about this now. But I walked into the newsroom on Monday and as I said before, my I, I developed a pretty good, um, a pretty good blue streak with my language, and, and none of that had ever crossed my mind from Sunday to Monday. But I walk in at about noon. One of the producers looked at me and asked, "Are you sick, Lynn?" And I'm like, "No, why?" She's like, "Well, you haven't dropped an f bomb all morning, and uh, what's what's wrong with you?" And again, I wasn't trying not to. Didn't even cross my mind, and I'm like. Oh, uh, well, here's what happened yesterday. So I wonder if that had something to do with it. So I really wow. do think that there was, um, you know, obviously some, some, some work being done uh, that was not done by me. Right. And again, yeah. I wasn't consciously trying to clean up my act. Um, uh, hmm. But that, that was, that was a nice, uh, that was a nice reflection of, of what had taken place. Oh, certainly. I like how you talked about, I mean, you said this at the very beginning of your story, but how, you know, I wasn't following God, but he was always there waiting for me. Um, and I think that's just a really hopeful thing for our students to hear is that God is always there waiting for you to turn back to him. It's not something that he looks at your behavior is totally appalled and is like, well, see you later. <laughs> you know, we're, I'm not going to have a relationship with you that, you know, God is waiting for us uh, to come back with him. And sometimes he might do it through a big old call out, <laughs> you're a hypocrite. Uh, but, you know, certainly not always that way, but I, I love that story. I think God speaks to us the way that we need to hear it. And in that moment, it sounds like uh, your friend took a risk and she knew how to speak to you in a way that you need to hear it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'd love to hear, you know, okay. So now you are the CEO of ATO. You've been the CEO of ATO. You told me 31 years. Uh, which is ATO, a yeah, 30, 31 years, CEO 20, 26. Oh, excuse me. At, at ETO for 31 years, 26 years as the CEO, which that's a significant amount of time. Um, I'd love to know like your journey to becoming the CEO of ATO or even just working for your headquarters. Was your faith involved in that decision? What did that look like? Yeah, so um, ten years, ten plus years in news, and um, and so uh, and had a political talk show that I did and loved politics, and so, um, but I knew that the day to day, I it was a great experience, loved it, 
did not want to do that the rest of my life. Uh, and so I'm like, okay, God, what's, uh, I'm a big believer in God has a plan. If you pay attention and you ask, he'll roll it out for you. And so I'm like, okay, what we got going here, Jesus. And so it was probably about six months later that ATO called me up. Uh, and again, this was not on my career uh, path whatsoever mm. and pitched uh, the idea of me becoming their director of communication. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> it. thank you. Flattering. No, thank you. And, uh, and then I, I left that meeting and thought, mm, I wonder. And so I started talking to people people who I trusted, wise counsel, a variety of different people saying, because this would, I knew that if I left news and went to this, even though I thought I would only do that probably for a couple of years, that I, that getting back into news was probably not very likely. I was, and, and this was not going to a nonprofit, right. um, again, not, not on my career path. Uh, and so I really um, initially said no, and then thought, and so people, everybody that I talked to said, well, you need to do what you need to do, but I don't see any problem with this at all. And so the more people that I talked to, the more the arrows started pointing in the right direction. And then I had a few things that I was just like sort of in the back of my mind. This would re really be nice if this happened and this happened. And one of the things was I needed to keep my political talk show, which I didn't think either the station nor ATO would agree to because mm -hmm. I would have to be away from ATO one day a week every week. And that was sort of the last piece and everybody agreed to it. And so, nice. yeah. And so interestingly, I walked into ATO. I was, Illinois happened to go to the Hall of Fame Bowl that year. Uh, and so I, I was, I was uh, hard news, except the sports director was a friend of mine. And so anytime Illinois basketball or football would go to a bowl, I'd go along with him to do color and the the fluff stories of here's what the team's doing today anyway so i i did my last story in tampa on a, a sunday and i was walking into ato headquarters on a monday um and thinking what have i done what have i done what have i done and the interesting thing is the first one of the first things that i had to do was rewrite the pledge manual and i really didn't know any history about ato really and so um uh and so learning all of that and knowing that ato was called ato because the founder was deeply uh, devout and uh, wanted a brotherhood that could bring peace to it was right after mm -hmm. the civil war bring peace between the north and the south and he thought the only way that could happen is practicing unconditional love is exemplified by christ and he wondered, what is he going to call this organization? Walked into his church, saw the cross with the Alpha and the Omega on either side. And he's like, that's it. So um, uh, that that's how it became ATO. So that was also confirmation mm -hmm. that this is, okay, this 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 was not a uh, just sort of a random kind of choice. Mm -hmm. hmm. Wow. I love that story of just seeing God's intervention and even the way that he made things work out that just seemed like couldn't go together, like the talk show you hosted and then being able to be on site with ATO. Um, so now, you know, you've been with ATO for 31 years. You're someone who follows Jesus as the CEO. I'd love to hear about how your faith um, informs your role as CEO, especially, I mean, I just think 
you know, all of us in Greek organizations, we know that there are high highs in Greek life and there are low lows. You know, we, one week we can really be celebrating because we raised a bunch of money for our philanthropy or we completed recruitment and, or the next week it can be a low low because, well, shoot, there was a racism scandal in our sorority or hazing, there was a hazing issue. And so I'd love to hear, you know, when you work through those high highs and those low lows, how does your faith inform your role as the CEO of ATO? Yeah, I think I think that that is a great question. And I ask that to myself, uh, routine, routine. Yes, um, I think you'd have to, right? right. Yeah, right. Yeah, because um, this position, um, I deal with the low lows a whole lot more than I deal with the high highs, right? Because sure. they don't. They don't, they don't need any headquarter assistance or anything in the high highs. They, 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 the chapters can do that really well. They do that really well. <laughs> sure. Um, and so it's like, uh, really God, really, this is, this is, uh, and the answer is all, uh, always been yes. Um, and so I think that, uh, just from an operational standpoint, I'm a big believer in people support what they help create. Hmm. Uh, and, and so I think the collab, I'm, I'm, I'm collaborative. I think that that comes from pieces of faith that I, I think that Jesus was very collaborative, right? He wasn't a dictator. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, 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 I think that is true. I also think, I mean, um, you know, we deal with, and, and what we say is, look, this is ATO's history is what I described earlier. And we're proud of that. And we guess what? We accept men of any faith or no faith at all. That's not an issue, but we're also going to talk about our history because it is what it is. Uh, and we're not a parachurch organization. We're not a church. We're a fraternity. Uh, and I think that the love of brotherhood uh, it can can be uh, uh, can be highlighted. And talking about what's that mean or what's peace? Like so, the founder was. I mean, there's a peace. We were founded as a peace organization. Mm. Well, what did the found, founder have in mind uh, when he's talking about Jesus and peace? Right. Uh, and so we can uh, talk about that. So, and I think because my experience as an undergraduate, I know that men of faith go into fraternities and it can, it can feel pretty lonely, right? You can, right. Sort of ganged up on a little bit. Yeah. Although I never had that experience, right? I said that I didn't drink in college. Well, certainly my fraternity brothers did, but not only did they not pressure me, they defended me uh, mm -hmm. and, 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 saying, yeah, leave him alone. Like if other, if, if we were doing anything with another fraternity or anything, they're like, hey, you need to have a drink. No, leave him alone, just drink, right? So uh, there's that sort of protective shell. And I think that that uh, helping men who go into chapters feel like they're supported. And so to the extent that we can do that, and I think we do that by, again, highlighting highlighting the, the faith, faith aspects of the fraternity so that uh, there is a place for them. And then also we are somewhat, you know, we're actually very unique in the fraternity world in that we actually have programming for, um, we have a, a weekend experience uh, for any member that wants to, that is absolutely, we're going to talk about Jesus. It's really, it's really fo focused on the prodigal son. Uh, and uh, you know what, Jesus loves you, but he likes you a lot too. Hmm. <laughs> and so we've had, and, and, and I am very clear that I don't want to bait and switch anybody. Uh, and so we're very, yeah. um, and anyone's welcome, right? And and here's what's going to happen this weekend. If you decide to come, 
don't be surprised. Here's, you know, um, here, here's, here's what this weekend looks like. And uh, we've been doing that now. I think we probably had more than 600 undergraduates go through that program over, I think we're in year 13 now. Oh, never, that's great. Yeah, never once have I had anyone say, this was, you right. This was bad, right? I, I'm right. sorry, right? Yeah. So Aww. I think being able to to offer things like that uh, as well, I think is is uh, something that's part of, helps me. Um, I enjoy that. I certainly enjoy a lot, most of the aspects of this job, just like any job, there's some that you don't enjoy, but right. um, that, that to me feels like it's uh, a true unique offering for men who want to engage that. That's awesome. That's really great. Well, you know, on that note, I love, that's really neat to see the way that, you know, kind of indirectly your faith is impacting your work, you know, the ways that you just make decisions as someone who's trying to follow Jesus, but also the direct impact of, hey, actually, I think we can do these retreats with men and we can be more explicit about our faith, but still, you know, be super welcoming and upfront about what this is. So I'd love to hear, you know, as you think back or, you know, you you are working with collegians very often. What is some advice that you would give uh, to Greeks who want to grow in their faith in college? Um, and the other thing I say is like, you, you, don't, you be you, right? So don't allow um, people to force you to drink or to get you in situations that um, are you're compromised or shame you because you're not going to do X, Y, or Z. You you have to be able to stand up for who you are. And and my experience is after that initial like push, if there is one, people will respect that and not only back off, but they'll protect. I mean, that was my experience, right? They'll protect you in that. Yeah. Uh, but you you've got to be able to you've got to be able to show that yeah you're that whatever that is that's not for me. This is who I am, and um, you're cool with who you are. Respect me for who I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think you know, as when I was in school and looking back, I think. I was so much more afraid of my sister's perception of me than what was actual reality. Um, I think my sisters were far less judgmental than I gave them credit for. I think there was just a lot of fear that, okay, if I were really going to own my faith or be, um, you know, clear with them about what my convictions are or how I want to be spending my time on the weekend, um, you know, I think I was just so afraid of their judgment, but really they were so much more open and accepting than I ever thought possible. Um, and I think that's just an encouragement, like you said, to be yourself, just be you. Uh, well, when I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, this was so great. Um, it was awesome to hear your story, uh, coming to college and finding Jesus and faithfully serving the Greek world all these years later. Well, thanks, Allison. Thanks for what what you do too, because I think that that uh, Greek students in particular get a bad rap, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and that um, that organizations that are engaging not just Greek students but college students in yeah. general, it's, it's it's so it's so important uh, mm -hmm. on, a, on so many levels. And so I appreciate everything that you all are doing. Ah, oh, well, thanks. Well, and if you all are listening to this and you're like, oh man. 
I wish I had someone who could help me figure out this whole Greek and Christian thing. Um, Greek and varsity is there for you. So we have in-person ministries on tons of campuses across the U.S., but even if there isn't a Greek heavy on your campus, we want to connect with you. Um, and so we would love for you, if you do want to hear more, uh, to go to our website, greekivy.org, and fill out the contact card on our homepage. We'll get in touch with you, or you can just follow us on uh social media. And we would love to connect with you there. So Instagram at Greek IV, TikTok at Greek University. And again, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Greek and Christian podcast. The Greek and Christian podcast is produced by Greek University, a nonprofit college ministry for fraternity and sorority students. Our ultimate vision is to see every fraternity and sorority connected to a community of Greek Christians so that every Greek is just one friend away from knowing and following Jesus. To learn more, find a community on campus, or partner with us, visit greek.intervarsity.org.